Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Joined now here on the flagship podcast by esteemed Fox <laughs> College football analyst and all-around great guy. I remember him, of course, when he was the quarterback of the Colorado Buffaloes and then a radio star. There you in, go. In Big D Denver, the one and only Joel Clad. Joel, how are you doing? Good, man. Um, I'm looking forward to this season. Can't wait to get it started, but uh, glad to be talking. We, we've been trying to do this all summer. And I'm actually really glad we waited until now because we would have missed a lot of things to talk about if, if we uh, had done this earlier in the summer. So uh, it's great to chat with you, as always, and uh, getting ready to kick this thing off. Well, man, I always appreciate it. Uh, thanks for remembering those of us from your early days <laughs> in, the, in the media business. My man, Joel Klatt. So um, first and foremost, how are you doing? How's your summer been? You done anything fun? Played any golf? Played a lot of golf. Listen, I, I play a lot of golf. Um, yeah, I mean, we had a great summer. My kids are at a, such a fun age, uh, nine, seven, and four years old. Uh, we've, we've been at the beach. We've been doing swim team. We've had baseball. We've had, you know, starting up flag football now. Um, it's, it's been fun. We went uh, back to Denver to see family. We went out to Phoenix and spent some time out there. We've, uh, you know, I feel very fortunate. We've had a, a great summer. They're not quite in school yet. So that'll come up here shortly. And, and I got to tell you, me and uh, Mama Bear are ready for them to be in school at that point. And I thought I know all of you who have kids know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, I mean, that is a hallelujah. When you hit that, <laughs> uh, you hit that end point of summer, you're like, OK, kids, good luck at school. That's right. That's right. Um, oh, and along the way, the. Uh, SEC has now invited oh. Texas and Oklahoma. Oh, oh. Yeah, just a small thing, right? Just a small thing. So what's your, uh, I'll, I'll start there before we sink our teeth okay. into the Longhorns and Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah. Um, but your thoughts on the SEC inviting Texas and Oklahoma, them accepting right. and where things are in the power five college football landscape. Oh, gosh. Where to begin, my friend? Um, let's start with this, right? Like, nobody, nobody should be a villain in this situation, okay? I believe that everybody in, in this scenario, whether you're talking about Greg Sankey, um, ESPN, Texas, OU, now the other schools that are, you know, like, and I'm sure we'll get to kind of the, the alliance. Um, everybody is behaving in the way that they've been incentivized to behave. Okay, this is human nature, right? Our structure of college football incentivizes selfish and short-sighted actions. 
And I know that that sounds like a criticism, but it's not. Okay, that's an that's an observation. And Greg Sankey and the SEC are acting in their own best interest, which they should. And and that's the structure of what we have right now, right? That's what they have to work. They've got no incentive, um, Chip, to, to look after the whole of college football. Texas and OU have no incentive to look after, really, the Big 12 Conference or the whole of college football. So what should people be doing? Acting in their own best interest, which everyone did in this instance. So nobody is at fault. Now, if, if you're just evaluating the actual move, that remains to be seen. If it grows revenue for Texas and Oklahoma and makes them more sustainable um, as an athletic department in the long run, then good for them. And it was the proper decision for them. Um, if it doesn't, then it wouldn't be the, the proper decision. Now, I happen to believe that we are at a, a real turning point in, in what will be the history of this sport. And that's because this is either going to go real regional real quick or we're going to maintain some national global aspect of our sport. Okay. And, and, and that's where we kind of get into the Alliance thing. So that's, that's a 30,000 foot view of, of everything. Um, do I think that it was smart of OU in Texas? Well, in the short term, I think that it, provides them their one-up that they always had in recruiting the state of Texas over teams like LSU and Texas A&M and Arkansas to a certain extent and Alabama to a certain extent. When, when before, this, before this separation of the SEC and everybody else took place, remember Texas and OU, and OU at least I feel like, had a huge advantage in recruiting in the state of Texas because they were just the better programs. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Right? And, and A&M... And people think that I always dog on AM. AM is just kind of AM, guys. All right. We understand, like, they've been a middling conference, uh, middling program forever. Right. And they think that they're like a top six. Yeah, they happen to be preseason, you know, top six, seven this year. That's not their history. They've gotten to that point, I believe, on the back of the SEC. And they've been able to recruit in the state of Texas. And I'm sure you've seen this. And they've been able to recruit on par with the Longhorns and with the Sooners, which they maybe didn't do in the past, say for one guy here or there, but certainly not on par throughout a class. Okay. And so I think OU and Texas look at that in the short term and they look at the pecking order of recruiting in the state. And I think that they believe that this will allow them to regain that status as the preeminent factors in recruiting in the state of Texas. Now that could be me looking way too deep into this, but I think that that's one of the uh, short-term um, goals for OU in Texas. And I think that they'll achieve that. Are we, are we headed to a mega conference with the college football commissioner? What is this goofy alliance with the, <laughs> the PAC 12, the big 10 and the ACC, two of whom are Fox, you know, primarily Fox partners, the other, the, AC. Don't, listen, don't say that. Don't say that with disdain. Look at no, you. No, no. You, you become but an like, SEC program. And you're like Fox. No, uh. no, no. But ESPN is the ACC network. Like That's right. How, That's right. Like, we're asking dogs and cats to, to come together. To get along. Um, yes. Okay. There were three parts to that question. Let me try to separate them out. Okay. First <laughs> is, do I believe we're headed to super conferences? That was 
going to be left. That is in the hands of the Big Ten right now. The, the SEC laid out their chips are in the middle of the table. I think that it's pretty clear that if they could get Florida State, if they could get you know Clemson, they probably would. Now, with the grant of rights the way that it is, you're talking of upwards between 85 and $100 million per school for those teams to leave their grant of rights at this point. That's probably not going to happen, right? Um, I think that we all understand that. So if it's left up to the SEC and Greg Sankey, super conferences are the way that we're going. Now, the decision doesn't lie with them because their next targets aren't ready yet, like I just talked about financially. So the decision is with the Big Ten because the Big Ten is more powerful than the ACC and the Pac-12. We all know that, okay? Um, And why are they more powerful? Everyone's like, whoa, they haven't won a national championship. No, no, no. It's about value of the television contract. Right, The value of the Big Ten deal is far surpasses the ACC or the Pac-12 because of the number of viewers that Big Ten games get. Okay, so why does it lay within the Big Ten? The Big Ten's now got to make a decision. Are we going to go and are we going to say, you know what? They're going to grab Florida State and Clemson, so here we go. Let's rock. Let's grab Washington. Let's grab USC, UCLA, Stanford, whatever, Oregon, and, and let's play ball and go to 16 or 18 on our end and we'll just be two conferences in college football. I don't think that that's best for the sport, and I don't think that's the direction that the presidents in the Big Ten want to go, um, or else they would have by now, right? Let's let's be honest, right? They, they would have started that process. So their only option then for sustainability outside of this mega conference that is the SEC is to try to form some sort of an alliance on the outside of that. Why do you have to form an, an alliance, right? It's all about two things, really, when you boil it down. There are many factors, but two things, really, Chip. And, and the one, I think, is, is the most imminent factor, which is they cannot allow Greg Sankey to dictate what's going to happen in the college football postseason. So they have to form some sort of an alliance so that they can control, if you want to call it control, the voting a, a, a sector of the college football playoff board of managers. Okay. So that's what that, that's what this is all about. That's number one. Then number two is, okay, they're going to the moon as far as revenue goes, the sec. And we know we can see that, right. That's, that's been laid to bear. The big 10 probably going to get a massive deal in next year and uh, their next deal. So how do these other, like, how do we grow revenue? Well, the only other way to grow revenue is increase the stable of valuable games. The only way to do that is is to really throw out the current model of scheduling and go and find value within the schedule that has not been tapped into yet, which is the non-conference. It's so archaic. Guys, we're talking about a multi-billion dollar industry and we still allow Chris Del Conte, God save him, to be like, let's schedule a game eight years out against whomever. Like, what are we, what are we doing? The NFL is the NFL in large part because they took control of their schedule and then they maximized its value throughout the schedule, whether it was broadcast windows, the way that they schedule, so on and so forth. So this alliance, I believe in the scheduling partnership, and I know that this hasn't been necessarily public. I believe it's going to be NFL style of scheduling. And what they're going to do is that they're going to increase in a massive way the amount of games between top tier teams. They're probably going to minimize their league games and go from eight to nine in the conferences that play now, uh, from nine to eight, excuse me, in the conferences that play nine right now. 
And then they're going to have four non-conference games, two against lower-level lower opponents to help their schedule. And then they'll maintain two games every year that are going to rotate based on where they finished the previous season. So, for example, if you win the Big Ten this year, if you're Ohio State, okay, you're the Big Ten champion. And let's say Clemson and let's call it USC win the Pac-12 and ACC respectively. Next year in the non-conference, Ohio State's going to go to Clemson. Clemson's going to go to USC. USC is going to go to Ohio State. Okay, and that's going to happen for the second-place finishers, third-place finishers, fourth-place finishers. Well, now all of a sudden you've increased the valuable assets um, probably somewhere between seven and eight-fold. So that's how you grow revenue. So let's back up a little bit. Okay, so what were the two reasons for this alliance? And, and you can make fun of it all you want, certainly. And, and it's not official, if you will, because there's no signatures and this is a bunch of handshakes, but they had to... They had to secure a voting block on the CFP board of managers in order to press back against the SEC so that they don't exactly get everything they want in the football postseason, i.e. that it's not a single network partnership. So they didn't want it just to go to ESPN with Greg's consent. So whoever those networks are, I, I'm not sure. And then they also wanted to increase their revenue. How do you do that? You maximize the only piece of the schedule that we haven't begun to maximize the revenue in, and that's the non-conference. So those are what's going on. You can talk about all. And, and remember now, you, you and I have been around intercollegiate athletics enough to know when, when we're hearing fluff. And when you hear fluff about academics and like-minded this and research that, that's what it is, right? That's so that the presidents feel better about their decision. But what's driving this is a voting block to stop the SEC and trying to maximize revenue in a sector of the schedule that has not been maximized yet. Yeah. And that is well said. That's why... That's why we love talking to Joel Klatt because the guy, the guy does his homework. He's not just shooting from the hip here. He's not just walking off the golf course and giving you some BS. The guy is in the trenches. Um, all right, Joel Klatt. That was fantastic, by the way. I'm never going to call it the goofy alliance again because <laughs> if that plays out the way that uh, you envision, that would add value. And I agree with you on the the managing board and trying to secure enough votes to keep the SEC from ruling the college football world. Now, let me ask you this, Joel Klatt. And actually, let's take a quick break here on the flagship podcast with Joel Klatt, Fox College Football Analyst extraordinaire. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joel, your thoughts on... Texas with Steve Sarkeesian mm -hmm. now as the head coach uh, today, by the way, he said that he's not named a quarterback yet. We're nine days from the season opener. He's deciding between redshirt freshman Hudson card, redshirt junior Casey Thompson, you being a former quarterback have at it. Oh gosh. Um, I don't think it's a good sign. Um, that he hasn't named a starter yet. I believe that that's because neither one of these guys has really laid, uh, laid their hands on the position. I could be wrong. I haven't been around it, you know, 
probably like you guys have. I don't know. Is, has he opened practice back up to you guys? Because I know a little it was bit. closed for a little bit. A little bit. Little windows here and there. Not much meat in those windows. Sure. No, I, I understand. Um, I think that in, in a perfect world, he would have had a guy really step forward and, and earn the starting position. Now, if that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen, right? And so another thing that I know intimately about that position is that you don't really know until it's live. And, and so, you know, yes, you want guys to separate themselves out in practice, but when you get out there against Louisiana, you're going to know. It, it will be very clear. And unfortunately for Texas fans, you guys know when it's clear that neither of them are, are ready, you know, and, and that's what you don't want. You want somebody to, to rise up, the cream to rise to the top when the lights are the brightest. Uh, so we'll see if, if that happens. And then also there's all sorts of this nuance to the modern day college football with the open transfer portal. Like, let's say Casey Thompson is kind of inching, inching ahead and, and you kind of want to name him the starter. You almost can't because Card has so much time left, he can just leave, right? And, and you don't want that because you don't have the depth necessary to lose guys within that room. That's purely speculative. I, I have not talked to anybody about that. That is, again, purely speculative and vice versa, by the way, because you don't want a guy in, in Casey. Let's say Card is inching ahead and you don't want to name that because you're thinking to yourself, boy, Thompson's only got a couple of years left, so he's going to sense the urgency to get out of here and try to go find a place to play right away. Well, then you're left with, left with card that you don't really know because you haven't seen him in live competition and no depth behind him. Well, that's not advantageous either. So these coaches are in a, in a no-win situation. Unless you're Ohio State and you've got 8 million apparently quarterbacks and you can just name a starter and like whatever, right? A guy yeah. leaves. You're like, fine, we've got three more. Texas doesn't have that um, – at their disposal right now. So that's the quarterback situation. Let me get back to, to Sarkeesian. I'm a huge Sarkeesian believer. Um, I, I mean, quite, quite frankly, and you know me, I'm way too blunt and honest. I tried really hard and, and, and basically had Steve um, at Colorado before last year. Remember when Mel Tucker left really late in the process to Michigan right. state. Um, I was very um, supportive of of getting Steve at Colorado and boy, it was close. It was, it was, it was very, very close. He chose to stay at Alabama, uh, rightly so because this opportunity is clearly better than an opportunity in Boulder. Um, so I, I'm a believer. People forget how bad Washington was when he got there. Everyone's like, Oh man, the USC thing, thing was a debacle. Yes. But, but it was a debacle personally, not necessarily as a program. Right. Okay. Like, did he fall apart as a person? Yes. And, and he has admitted as, as, as such and, and really faced those demons, if you will. And I think he's a much different person now. I know Matt Ryan well. Matt raves about him. They worked together in Atlanta uh, before he went to Alabama. And, and, and Chip, I think what I talk about when I talk to, about Washington, you remember now, Washington didn't have a winning season from 02 to 09. And that's a proud program. So Rick Neuheisel was there in the early 2000s, had it going a little bit, had an 11-1 year. Then all of a sudden they fired him because he bet on an NCAA tournament pool. How stupid does that sound right now? We got FanDuel flying around and like all the, you know, we're like big gambling. We got NIL. We fired Rick Neuheisel for betting on an NCAA tournament pool. Yeah. So he was, he was gone and then they just floundered. Tyrone Willingham went 0-12. 0-12. 
Owen 12 at the University of Washington the year before Sark got there. And he got them to be a perennial winning program and bowl team before he left to USC. And then it fell apart, like I said, more on the personal side. If he's right as a person, dude is a hell of a football coach. Uh, you saw that at Alabama. That's the, the best offense that they've ever had in the last couple of years. So um, I'm optimistic for, for Texas. I don't know what that means this year because of the quarterback situation. I do know this. I think that one of the top three, four players um, in America is Bijan Robinson. And Steve knows that. Um, and they'll use him judiciously, I'm sure. But if he's touching the football between 15 and 20 times a game in any fashion, maybe 25 in the games that they really need him to, you know, you get into the Red River or whatever that is, um, they're going to win a lot of games. This is still a team that is recruited at the top end of college football, even all the way through Tom's tenure. And this is still a team that was basically three snaps of the football away from being an undefeated playoff team a year ago. And people fail to realize that, you know, so um, I'm optimistic, but we'll when see you, how it all plays out. When you look at Texas now uh, with their impending move to the SEC, how mm -hmm. big of a gamble and how much stock are they putting in Steve Sarkeesian to elevate the program? Because you and I both know Texas has been wandering around in the desert for the last decade. Blindfolded. Blindfolded. And everyone's laughing and saying, oh, look at Texas trying to go to the SEC. I mean, they're counting on Steve Sarkeesian to elevate the program as a play caller on par with Lincoln Riley, uh, as a guy who I think put together a really good staff with Pete Kwiatkowski. He did. Running, he did. Running the defense. With, so it's, yeah. a, it's a huge, I mean, they're counting on Steve Sarkeesian to elevate the program. Yes, but I don't think that that was, that went into the decision. This is, I think that decision was going to be made whether they retained Tom or not. You know, like this was a, a bigger decision than who's our coach right now and who's our quarterback right now. Um, but having said that, now that the decision has been made and, and pending timing, we'll see what the timing is going to be. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the actual structure of the league. You know, I think it's got to be in pods. And, and then it becomes like, well, who are the pods? You know, is it, is it Texas, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and OU? You know, like, uh, <laughs> I, 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 like I, don't, I don't know. Big 12 SWC pod? That would be... That would be pretty amazing. I know that um, I, I do know that Texas is one of the places where you can win on the top end of college football. And that that can't be said about every place. Um, but but I do know that it's going to be difficult in that conference. I would say. Um, and this gets me labeled. This opinion gets me labeled and I. I hate it. I hate the label. People call me an SEC hater. That's not the case. I, I view the SEC as incredibly top-heavy. And that top is the cream of the sport. Okay? Um, period. So is it the Fair. best conference? Yes, it's the best conference. Why? Because their top four or five programs are easily top eight to 10 programs in the country. That means half of the top 10 programs in the country are SEC programs. I fully admit that. Now, having said that, 
the middle and bottom of the SEC is not all that good. Um, it just it it just isn't. Um, it's fair. So is there room for Texas? Yeah, of course there's room for Texas. Can they be in one of those? Can they be one of those teams in a 16 team team conference? They're basically banking on the fact that six or seven of those are going to be top 10 to 12 teams when you really boil it down, right? With the exception maybe of like an Auburn that's like up and down out of that. But you're talking about Florida, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Oklahoma, and Texas. That's six like blue bloods, right? And then Auburn is kind of right there. And I'm sorry, Aggie fans, but like I've said many times, Texas A&M, has been a middling conference team for a long time. They were in the Big 12. They have been in the SEC, save for right now, uh, when they've clearly got a great team and, and potentially has got a chance to win their division this year. And if you expand the playoff to 12, then you increase your chances of getting into the playoff six SEC teams potentially the 16 potentially. potentially and I think that's why ever I think that's why the alliance was formed though is is that they were so frustrated at what they felt like was a disingenuous Greg Sankey through the expansion talk process when he was pushing for this right remember now when when they came out there like we think 12 is the right number I was like damn four to 12 right like, that, that happened to me you know this escalated quickly Rick stabbed a guy right you know um to take the anchorman reference and then you then it comes out like, oh, you in Texas, we're in Greg Sankey's back pocket. And it's like, oh, like we get it. Um, and I think that's what ultimately led to the alliance is because they realized that they can't just allow the playoff to expand in a fashion in which only helps the SEC. So what they'll start to vote on, there's going to be two main points of contention when it comes to the CFP board of managers. At least this is the way I see it. That is network partners, how many and which games do they get? Um, And then the other part of this is going to be how many are auto bids and how many are at larges. And that's, that's where that alliance is going to be the most influential what, what's going to happen from the alliance? That's going to be the most influential thing that happens from the alliance is what they do with auto bids versus at-large bids in the, in the playoff expansion conversation in the, last, in the next two years. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I've, I've said the Power Five needs to collectively bargain and schedule and do everything like the NFL because that's where the most money is. The TV partners don't want that because they don't want to have to pay all that money uh, to a 64 64- team you know power five college football yeah but but, but remember though if, if the inventory is there we'll then, gladly pay it right you know so for, what's for the us number? it's an equation like for for for, t- for tv it's just an equation if you give us more games that get eight million seven million viewers we're like great we'll pay you look what we pay the nfl right you know so like what, what's the number do you think joel i mean is it 32 teams is it 44 40 is it 60 is it 60 Four. That's up to that's up to them. Um, that's that's up to the to the schools. That's not going to be a, a network decision. I think that the network is going to look at the top tier of games, the the available inventory of potentially high value games, and they'll give them a number. And then all of those conferences are going to sit back. And this is essentially what Texas and OU did in their move. 
they're going to sit back and they're going to say, okay, we can split this 10 ways or we can split this two ways, you know, however. And so then they're just going to decide how many pieces of pie are going to get cut out of the pie that we hand them. And so that's going to be totally up to them. Why did OU and Texas leave? So we're in a league with eight total hanger-ons that provided no value. I can tell you that networks would probably have paid 95%, 92 to 95% of the total Big 12 television contract just to OU in Texas if they decided to just be like be independents. Just to give you a, a sense of like, you know, we're not paying. Yeah. yeah, we're not paying to like televise the other teams. So what happens? What happens to the other eight? The remaining well, eight. <clears throat> the 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 alliance left them. The alliance left them for dead. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things where it's like Kevin Warren, um, the Vegas guy, George can't pronounce his last oh, yeah, name. Cough. I was packed up. Yeah, club whatever. whatever. I'm terrible with names. Gus will tell you. Can't pronounce them. Jim Phillips. They were in that scenario that, you know, maybe you find yourself in where it's like you pass a, a, like a fight or an accident and you're like, ooh, and you're like looking and you're like, that, that doesn't look good. Should we stop and help? And then everyone looks at each other and they're like, keep going. <laughs> That's kind of what I feel like happened. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, I just don't like what, where are they, where are they going? I know that that might sound awful. I don't know. I don't think that that sounds off. I I feel like that's more realistic. Right. So it's like, are they providing, let's say you're the big 10 and Iowa state calls for Iowa state to have any value for the big 10. They have to bring around 60 to $65 million annually in value to the conference. They don't bring that. No. So, again, they looked around and they were like. Well, and their best hope was the Pac-12 trying to get into the central time zone. But now they can do that with this alliance. And so having to add schools in Stillwater or Lubbock. Not uh, not as much of a priority for the Pac-12. And don't and don't. Um, don't minimize the uh, hubris of chancellors and presidents when it comes to the academic standing of those institutions. Yep. I remember that from 2010. Yeah, I bet you do. And all that. Uh, that basically was the, uh, I mean, that was kind of the deal breaker. Yeah. And, and some, to some extent. Oh, you couldn't get there on their own. They right. tried, but they said, are you bringing Texas? And in some ways, oh, you tried to get into the SEC and, even with and without Oklahoma state and was told, can you bring Texas? Now they're bringing Texas. All right, Joel, let me ask you this, the big 12, how do you see that playing out this season? And when are you coming? Um, I think there's two really, really good teams. There's uh, a couple of uh, unknowns, maybe three unknowns. OU's really good guys. I think that uh, I know that your listeners won't want to hear that, but um, this is this is going to be OU's best chance to win a national championship since probably 2008, the the McCoy Bradford team, Gerald McCoy team, and the reason is is because they're so much deeper and better and NFL caliber in the defensive front seven, right? So their defensive line is finally 
has some length and, you know, Perry on Winfrey is a hell of a player. Um, you know, um, Benito is a hell of a player. They turn the ball over, they get after the quarterback and the offense is going to be the offense. So we don't, we no longer have to sit there and be like, well, if they can score, you know, 52 that, I mean, they're, they're going to be really good. Um, and so I will pick them in the big 12 right behind them. I have Iowa state. I think that team is going to be really tough to be really tough to be. Um, I think that that's awful for Texas that they've got to go to Iowa state because that's a tough place to play. Um, and, and for me, when you've got the big 12s offensive player of the year returning and Brees Hall, you've got the defensive player of the year returning and Mike Rose, you've got your quarterback back, you've got your coach, they've got the culture, they've got everything that they need to be a top tier program. And now they just have to learn how to play with the bullseye on their back versus the bullseye on, on somebody else's back. And, and if they can do that, then they should have a really good year. And then I think that the, the third team is Texas, just because of the talent, the talent equation. Texas is still one of the most talented teams in the country. They've got a great coaching staff. Your point earlier, I, I think, is, is, is right on. Um, Steve's best job so far has been his ability not to recruit, which he's done a pretty good job of in a short time. It's to hire a great staff. And as many coaches will tell you across the country, that's really the key. Um, and so he's done that really well. And so those are kind of the top three. I think TCU is interesting. I think Oklahoma State is interesting. Um, but I don't know if those two teams will play at the top end of the Big 12 like the other three can and potentially will. All right. When are you coming to Austin? Um, probably, yes, probably October 16th, that Oklahoma State game. Okay. So everyone will be all upset because guess what? It'll be at noon. You guys don't like noon games. I love it. I love it. See, Joel Klatt is giving you times of games that you don't have already. I mean, listen, listen, if I'm in your town, your game's at noon Eastern. That's just what you got to know. <laughs> That's it, right? That's I don't I don't know what else to tell a you. Big noon kickoff, right? That's that's what it is. I'm I'm so disappointed that we didn't get Red River. We've been fortunate it's fallen to us. I think we've done it three years in a row for sure, maybe four. Oh, your um, call on that 2018 game was out of this world. Epic. Um, and so, you know, video gold. I will miss, I will tell you this. Um, I will miss personally OU in Texas. Love those programs. I really, really do. Um, going all the way back, right? Like, for instance, Chip, do you know, like, you don't know this. Why would you know this? My, the first college game that I ever went to, my dad was a high school football coach. And I was, let's see, I was four years old and, or five. What was five your dad's name? Gary Clatt. Gary Clatt. All right. Yeah. And, and my, and they used to give, Colorado used to give high school coaches free tickets over in the, uh, the North end zone. And so he took me up because the university of Oklahoma was coming to town and this is the mid eighties, man, they were rolling, right? This is the Bosworth teams. Oh, yeah. And the, I mean, Jamel Holloway. And yes, yes. And, and we sat there and I watched that Buffalo run around the field and I watched Oklahoma and I heard their band, dun, 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 you know, and I, and I fell in love with the sport that day. There's nothing I wanted to do more in my life than play for Colorado. I was fortunate enough to do that as, as, as a walk-on. I, I loved playing against Texas, whether it was into, I mean, 
yeah, we got our heads beat in, but man, it was like, that was major college football, you know? And I'm just, I love broadcasting y'all's games. I love doing the red river game. So when that news came out, there was a big part of me that was, um, it was sad. It was, it was very sad. And hopefully in the future, pending whatever contracts go down or, or whatever, that this move won't mean that this is the last time I get to, you know, go into those cities and, and do games. Well, you're the best. My, uh, FYI, my son is a freshman at Colorado State. Oh, nice. Fort Collins. Fort Collins. You've been to Fort Collins? Oh, yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a so much in common between Colorado and Colorado State. So much, obviously. One is that all of us got into Colorado State. <laughs> he said that, uh, Dad, I he got into Boulder. He said, I'm not going there because that's where all the spoiled rich kids go. Like your SMU, because I went to SMU. I was like, oh, Lord. So he hit me right in the nuts. I mean, he's he's not lying. He's not lying. Well, listen, oh, man. Joel Klatt, you're the best. It is always great to have our Fun. preseason conversation. And uh, and I thank you so much. So you bet, man. Uh, when you come to Austin, golf is on me. Love it. And I love it. Well, I can't wait to get down there. Hopefully the, hopefully the horns play well. We got a tough yeah. opener. I know you guys will be talking about it a lot. That Louisiana yeah. game is, is interesting. Ooh. Well, listen, everybody, thanks for listening to the flagship podcast for Joel Klatt. I am Chip Brown. Until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.